0: to the Seminole Wars.
1: Thank you Patrick. Good to be
0: back. All right, Ross, what's the big celebration about?
1: Well, we are celebrating that centennial with a timeline of history with our Florida Heritage Day and Centennial Celebration we want to once again promote our park and the wonderful history that it has but also to say that there's more than just the Seminole war history Uh, we are focusing on the whole history of florida as a whole going back to colonial days well into the 20th century so with that we are inviting all of our local historians with multiple time impressions to come we have already hooked up folks doing anything from conquistador to colonial spanish through world war ii so why
0: is this important to do?
1: Well, so we have a lot of attendance at the park, the Dade reenactment, and some of the other park natural programs. I think they forget that there's a big, broad, almost 500 or over 500 years of history in Florida. And it's very important to promote that because we're more than just one reenactment and more than just uh, nature
0: trails. Some of our listeners know, and many people who've gone to the park have seen Steve Rink, but in character as Private Patty McCormick. He'll actually be out there on this day with a booth, but he'll be there as Steve Rink. What does Steve have in store for visitors to this event?
1: Steve Rink, he is one of the great people involved in this park and has been for years, whether he was president of the Dade Battlefield Society, our support organization, or as an individual reenactor in in our Dade Battle reenactment. Steve is a big part of the local community through uh, his ties and education as a school principal, but he recognized earlier than most of us, the importance of commemorating this hundred years. So Steve has very graciously taken a bunch of time and energy to produce a booth of graphics that go back to the very uh, foundation of the park in 1921 and he's become our main lead historian on this endeavor through his research through his caring uh, we were able to promote that hundred years and i i love steve to begin with but uh when he brought up the centennial it was a no-brainer that we needed to honor that and he took the reins and ran with he has put together an excellent display of photographs, of graphics, and that alone is worth coming out to the park to see. Um, But Steve's done great work for years, and we are just blessed to have him around.
0: How much has the park changed in the last 100 years since Florida first acquired the land for the state?
1: Oh, over the last 100 years, the park, it hasn't changed much as far as its physical appearance. It's always been a certain number of acres, although the last two years we were blessed to be able to acquire Parts of the battlefield that were privately owned for the last few decades. But building wise, it's very iconic Iron Archway when you enter. Uh, There was some buildings built very early on, um, the bandstand and some of the pavilions that, um, just like anywhere, they age through the years, and those are things that we're actively working on to preserve or hope to work on as budgets come through. The Interpretive Center itself, the main museum-like building that you can come in and learn, that itself is undergoing some major changes here as we work on HVAC and roofing and things there. Those are all things that we're working on actively to to continue. But as far as the park itself, the nature trails, the flora and fauna, those are, are pretty much unchanged.
0: What's the size of Dade as compared to other parks in the system?
1: Oh, shoot. For the park size that we have, we're one of the smaller parks in stature and acreage, but we have more programs than some of the even the biggest parks. Uh, those programs include nature walks, bird watch, stargazing, battlefield tours, uh, both professional military tours and for the local public. We have historical talks. We have outreach programs that go out in the community and talk about the park through our citizen support organization. There is a, just a myriad of activities.
0: Where does living history fit into all this?
1: Sometimes the best way to focus and show the public those programs is by putting on a big historical event and they can come and learn about the history but then also learn about the myriad of programs that we offer at the park.
0: What have you got projected for November 13th, the Florida Heritage Day and Dade Centennial Day at the Dade Park?
1: For November 13th, we will have our typical battlefield tour guided by a living historian. This will be done through talks on the battle itself that occurred in December of 1835. And they'll be able to self-guide along the path on the tour to learn about that. But then also, the other historic time periods will have a walk-around focus, kind of a show-and-tell approach that they can go and learn about each of the different eras specific to the reenactors coming in.
0: People know the park for the battle from 1835, but the park also saw some action, so to speak, in World War II.
1: Along with the battle, and that's what it's, of course, known best for and why it was preserved in the first place, park was used by the U.S. government, particularly by the Army Air Corps, to bring a company of uh, men learning the new technology, Radar which was kind of top secret at the time. And you also have a lot of area in between before and after, with all the different things going on in the area during the Spanish-American War, the embarkation of troops in Tampa, for instance, that was close by. You have history, as I said, going back over 500 years.
0: Why is it important for Floridians today, and Americans in general, to understand this rich history that's in Florida? Ah, yes.
1: Well, knowing has, um, as transient, shall we say, the area is, with lots of folks coming from other parts of the country, they may not have grown up knowing Florida history and what's gone on. So by coming to the park, it's a great way to learn those things that you wouldn't have known.
0: Even some of our listeners may be surprised at some of the history that's here at the park at Dade, as well as the year-round activities that are available
1: That is so true. We are so well known for the Dade Battle. That is, of course, the the singular event that caused the park to be created. But in conjunction with that, we are working year-round. In The first weekend of January is, of course, the premier reenactment, but then in March, we have World War II days to talk about that World War II history. Our event coming up here on the 13th is a great example. But throughout the year, we have nature walks, we have stargazing, we have weekend historic programs on a smaller scale that are guided tours of the battlefield, utilizing living history reenactors, both Seminole and Soldier. We have craft classes. And these are great for local folks looking for something to do where they can learn native and pioneer crafts. It's almost endless, almost, well, not almost, but every month there are programs and they seem to be almost weekly during the summer, uh, utilizing our wonderful staff and the many volunteers that come through the citizen support organization and those who come uh, to sometimes uh, camp there for volunteer hours.
0: One of the unusual things that people have volunteered to do is the Dade Haunted Weekend. What is that all about and how successful was it?
1: Ah, that was a great one. We had an actual record-breaking turnout here. Every year around Halloween, we do a haunted event that brings literally hundreds of locals, but uh, involving business donating to it. In this case, they get to come out, tour the park, go through a haunted woods haunted houses, and go to the different pavilions that we have set up that are sponsored by either local businesses or groups they can play games and it's just a just a great family halloween type event this year we broke records in attendance and donations made fully because of the community taking part in this and also folks uh, wanting to just finally get back out after some of the craziness uh, in the world with covid and everything else
0: So Ross, how important is it to have community involvement in such events?
1: Oh, community input is absolutely vital. We are, by acreage scope, one of the smallest state parks in the system. But it's the community that's made it even greater. And by that, through donation port, and more importantly, just visitorship. It's a f- almost family tradition in Sumter County, I think. Every family at one point has come to the park, whether that's for a program, a picnic, a personal celebration, a tour. It is a great meeting place. And that said, it's the community support for over 100 years that's kept it going. But more importantly, it was the community support that created it. It was the very community itself that drove the creation of this park by going to the state and asking that it be saved and made into a park. And therefore, it's become a historic site. It's become a community center, a gathering place, and a meeting place. The community is everything when it comes to this park. Absolutely. I think with every every program that we do, every group that meets out there, they're reminded by not just the signage and interpretation of the park that way, but through the messages of the very staff, the uh, volunteers that take part, that it was the loss of life, both Soldier and Seminole, that hallowed or consecrated the grounds, that created that need to save it. And so we do, with everything we do, just by virtue of being there, honor that memory. And so I think the public, they can tell that something important happened here, regardless of what type of event.
0: How does the society tap in to the local populace to support the park? Well,
1: we have three main ways. One of them are locals who just know about the park that happen to live by, have m- perhaps been there many times, and want to help. That's one way. Another main way is oftentimes those who like to camp. There are programs within the State Park Service that allows camping space in trade for a certain number of volunteer hours. So we get several dozen folks that, that do great work. These are retirees or semi-retirees or folks that just like to travel and we have some incredible volunteers that way. And then the third main way is through our citizen support organization or the Dade Battlefield Society. And that is a group made up of a cross-section. Some are reenactor living historians, some are locals who live by, and some just have a general interest in the park or history. All three of those ways are the main ways that we get volunteers at the park.
0: These are volunteers. How do you entice people besides the inherent value of say camping and so forth? Um, How do you entice them to come out and volunteer? For the
1: three different ways, the, the best enticement is the satisfaction of interpreting the park in seeing people come out in the very work itself. Now, for those that that don't get satisfaction that way, like I said, the camper volunteers, they get a certain number of days or hours of camping sites for free. They get reduced price programs. Most of our programs are free. Some have a small fee, but by volunteering, sometimes that waives those fees uh, entirely. But honestly, I, I can only say for me, I get the satisfaction of knowing that the park is running with
0: the best efficiency that it can. Do you have to pay the reenactors who come out?
1: Absolutely not. Reenactors or living historians, they are volunteering not just their time, but thousands of dollars of clothing equipment. And so to bring them out to events, we offer meals, particularly at the reenactment events. All the meals, cartridges, the blank cartridges for the battles themselves, camping space. And then they can come out oftentimes free to the park at other programs throughout the year. But again, the physical part, I don't know a reenactor that comes to an event merely to get free meals. So they get the satisfaction of helping to educate literally thousands of people because that's how many attend these events.
0: Besides living historians... Who do reenactment who dress in period attire you've got other volunteer organizations one of them is the dade youth tell us about those volunteers
1: the dade youth consists of two groups dade's youth and the dade pioneers they are a youth group that are attached to the park now through volunteer service this was started a few years ago by one of our great volunteers and former president of the CSO, Karen Cloud, who's a, an educator in Sumter County, she created a way for kids to get the volunteer hours that they needed for graduation, for instance, um, by coming out to the Dade Battlefield and volunteering, whether that was helping out with events, doing maintenance, any type of things. But it has grown tremendously to the fact that they're doing community volunteer work. They are doing roadside cleanups. If you come off the interstate on State Road 48, one of the first signs you'll see is Dade's Youth in their trash cleanup, those road signs you see. But there are dozens of kids now for the last few years that have donated literally thousands of hours the in-kind production produced by these kids is unbelievable. The last few years, honestly, Dade's Youth has provided more volunteer hours than the adults of the City Support Organization. So uh, we absolutely love what they're doing. And conversely, you have a group of youth who are learning to love history, learning to love the natural resource, and I couldn't think of a better program to help promote our future. These kids are leaders, they're workers, and it is perhaps one of the greatest things that's come out of the Dade Park are these organizations.
0: Yes, you've got some freebies and incentives. How great a supplement is this to what they might be learning in school?
1: The textbooks that we have for history are minimal at best, and even those that are local may only know about the battle or the history of the park. If they're lucky, they got one field trip as a kid or their family took them to the park. By immersing themselves in the day-to-day operation volunteer work that they do, they're learning history, and in a few, there's a spark. This is the future of our living history programs as well. We have several of those youth that have decided they'd like to get into Seminole or Soldier living history. For others that's, that's not into the reenacting bin, several have decided to as adults as they've aged out, come volunteer. So this is a great entry level to volunteering and service as well.
0: You mentioned some of these are fulfilling a graduation requirement. What's that?
1: In some counties, yes, they have a certain number of volunteer hours that they like their seniors to have. It's not in every county, but I know in our general area, Hernando, Sumter, Citrus, Hillsborough, Pasco, those counties have a certain number. And I, some it's around 50 a year, some it's only 20. Sometimes it's very minimal, but I think it's to get kids introduced to service. They could be doing anything from community work, the roadside cleanup, programs in the community at, at festivals and events to promote the park uh, at the park itself they could be doing landscaping work general park pickup but then also as a reward to them we offer multiple field trips uh, they have gone to St. August they have gone to the Tampa Bay History Center they get some very premier trips along with this uh, it's not all about their work for, for what they do for us sometimes it's about what we can do for them to reward them for
0: that and then there are the Boy Scouts one Eagle Scout, as part of a project, put the breastwork in by the Visitor Center at the Dade Park. And they do other unsung things throughout the year. Ah,
1: yes, uh, Boy Scouts, they very much do, going back decades. Today, Boy Scouts can be seen doing anything from parking cars for some of our events to running the Haunted Trail at our Haunted event. They have provided service to the community in the park for decades and are a very big part of what we do. They are just about every major event that we do. They've had some of their own events where they've come to learn about the battlefield, about the nature part of it. But when you think of Dade Battlefield, it's almost synonymous with the Boy Scouts in the area.
0: Some of this volunteering will help the Boy Scouts in their skill badges or merit badges. How's that?
1: There's 21 required merit badges to make Eagle Scout. Three of those required badges are citizenship in the community, citizenship in the nation, and citizenship in the world. Those are three big ones that they can get much of what are required by visiting the park, taking part in those things. Camping, of course, one of those as well. Those are the four big ones. And then there are elective badges, for instance, bird watching, nature work, uh, things like that that are part of it. But those four big ones, the citizenship badges and camping, are ones that we greatly help
0: in their winning. What are the nature walks and how do they fit into the overall program?
1: Nature brings out a really interesting group of people. Some are an organized group, whether those are Audubon Society or local county groups. But our park rangers, particularly Kristen Wood, who has done conservation work for many, many years, our staff there particularly, and they're guiding these tours, they are bringing nature to light. And not just here's a bird, here's a tree, but deep down information about the flora and fauna of the park. I've taken two of these walks in the last couple of years, particularly with Kristen, and I am amazed by the level of knowledge, absolute academic level knowledge, but presented in such an engaging and entertaining manner that whether you're six years old or 60, you're going to get something out of these tours.
0: Visitors go out and see the site today, but back in the day there were different trees and maybe some different fauna and flora. That was the park able to balance that in what it presents to visitors.
1: Historically, we have just the written accounts of a couple people that talk about the scrub pine appearance, but the state has taken great pride in preserving particularly the battlefield segment, much in tune of what it looked like during that time. In fact, we have some interpretive signage that says that. Now, as far as the rest of the park, it has been shaped and reshaped through the decades by both man and nature. That could be lightning. That can be just the regular old mother nature at work. But it has vastly been shaped and changed as we've gone along. That area was rough an upland pine forest before. Now we have all kinds of non-natives and invasives that are part of the system. And that just happens through nature. Then also the state does a very good job of trolling some of the growth of the unchecked uh, invasives particularly, whether that's in prescribed controlled burns or just the day-to-day work. The battlefield itself, to answer your question, is much like it appeared in its wartime appearance in 1835, but the rest of the park has changed constantly through the
0: decades. Ross, what's your takeaway from this?
1: I think the biggest lesson is if we don't take care of what we have now, it can go away, whether that's man-made or nature made it the biggest takeaway is we have to serve this and conservation is one of the biggest parts of the mission along with the interpretation of the history and the nature we have to conserve and that's what this park does a great job of promoting
0: and why is that important well for the
1: battle itself to know what the natural settings were it was actually a big part of the battle itself. The cover and concealment of the natives, for instance, uh, that was how they were able to prize the army. And so to be able to physically see what a scrub pine looks like, what palmettos were looking like at the time, how easily it was for one to hide in the position that they had. It, it's it's key to the to the, the interpretation. It's key to knowing what, what they were seeing at the time physically. Mm, yes, indeed. You're, that is very true. Um, today, we're Unfortunately, the park is surrounded by some modern things. You're going to hear the occasional automobile or truck, train going by. But because of the conservation of a large portion, you have a lot less of those intrusions. And if you pause while you're walking the Fort King Road, for instance, you could get a much better grasp of what they were feeling going into it. The battlefield itself that segment is pretty close to what it was that's key right there sometimes the fact that you didn't hear anything was more important but uh yeah i think our animal presence birds other animals it's diminished because it's in a more, uh, closer to an urban area, but early enough in the morning and with enough land there, yeah, you're going to hear a lot of the same sounds. that's
0: for sure. Although the battlefield may be back to original, one might be concerned about rattlesnakes and other things that may be on the trail attracted because of the original setting. Oh, it's very
1: much prevalent in the area. I know um, within the park, they try to eradicate as much of the the poisonous stuff as we can without changing the scope of nature. We don't want to just arbitrarily remove plants because of the ecosystem, but poison ivy we try to control poison oak things like that but it's there just like many other natural settings in Florida there are snake there are other invasives but where the where people walk and tread they try to control that but in other parts keep it closer to its real natural appearance we leave it alone uh, also part of the education process that we do to help both youth and adults when they come to tour we help them identify those things so you don't just happen to oh look at those cute little leaves i think i'm going to sit down and find out later it's poison ivy. Yes. I think one of the greatest things about the park, take away the nature programs, take away the history. Uh, what ultimately I'm impressed with the fact that although in acreage and staff, it's one of the smallest parks in the whole state system, the impact locally is really, really impressive. For instance, there's over 40,000 visitors a year that come, whether they're coming for the reenactments, the nature walks, but 40,000 people a year. They're bringing about $6 million in local economic impact. That is them having meals locally, getting gas if they're traveling, staying in hotels. And so what amazes me, if you do that math, that's about two hundred dollars a person the local impact. So it doesn't just affect the park and the state. It is local business. It is the tourism development within the county and the area. And that to me
0: is pretty impressive. To what do you attribute the success? I think it's a testament to
1: how great staff and volunteers are at Dade Battlefield. Not only do they love what they're doing, but they're recognized for that. Kristen Wood, who I mentioned earlier, one of the Rangers there, won Ranger of the Year a couple years ago. Diane, our Administrative Assistant, won, won the Civilian Awards of the Year last year. Dade's youth have been recognized by the state, and by virtue of that, Karen Cloud, their uh, organizer, was Park Volunteer of the Year a couple years ago. This is impressive that in just the last few years, three folks have won for their areas that person of the year in the state park service. That's against the hundred plus other state parks and the thousands of volunteers and staff that go This tells you how much they love what they're doing, their level of detail, attention to detail, and the fact the state is watching and seeing what Dade Battlefield does. It's almost unprecedented, a park this small being recognized this well recently, but we're very, very proud of that.
0: Okay, Ross, tell us the schedule of events. The park's going to be open from 9
1: a.m. to 5 p.m. As you come in, you will note all around the area, kind of a show-and-tell setup of uh, living historians with the different historic eras. know that we have, for sure, Spanish colonial, Conquistador era, of course, Seminole Wars, Civil War, Spanish-American War, up to about World War II. And not just the military history, but civilian history, pioneer, crafts, cooking. But all throughout the park when you come in, particularly the rounded driveway around the Dade Lodge, you'll see them. They will have sponsored tours of the battlefield they'll promote throughout the day. It's less about a hour-by-hour, hour, but just come on out. Throughout the day, there will be something going on the entire
0: time. I want to remind our listeners that while there's living historians and reenactors there, there won't be a battle engaged in. They need to come back in January for the Dade battle reenactment.
1: No, very good point. As a pure living history, this is just going to be a demonstration, show-and-tell type event where they may have tables or a small encampment set up showing the clothing, equipment, and details of life in their particular eras.
0: What will this cost the family coming out to see it all?
1: As per most of our event, there's a donation per car to come in that the state gets, but I think its uh, benefit is showing that For 100 years, this entity, the Dade Battlefield Historic State Park, has been around in various names and various forms. 100 years is a long time, but in scope of history, it's still a short time. And by focusing on that centennial, we hope that folks can come out, how they can connect, maybe if they're local, they can connect a a memory they had as a a child. If they're not local and haven't been here, they can see what conservation work and what historical interpretation is about. Because in the end, what happened in our own backyard is vital. It's important. It's one of the big missions we do. And that centennial is a big mark, but... In my mind, it's kind of the beginning. We hope to continue on another 100 years, another 200 years. And in this day and age, the way uh, technology has taken over, the way politics have diminished history, we go above all that. We rise above that. And we want people to know that history matters. What happened in our backyard matters. And the battle that started it all, Major Dade, didn't just impact the local area. This impacted national And international history. And this park intends to be around a lot longer than 100 years to really push that and promote that.
0: Ross Lamarone will have to leave it there. Thanks for joining us once again for The Seminole Wars.
1: Thank you very much, Patrick, and for everything you do to preserve our history.
0: If you enjoyed this show, please take a moment to like us on Facebook at Seminole Wars Foundation. Leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider. Your reviews and comments help new listeners discover us and help us keep the show going. Visit our website at www.SummonAWars.us for blogs, articles, news, books, events, membership information, and how to subscribe to this podcast. We'll be back soon with a new episode of the Summon of Wars podcast. The Seminole Wars Foundation is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to preservation, education, and publication of Seminole Wars history throughout the state of Florida. This podcast is copyrighted. The Seminole Wars Foundation, 2021. All rights reserved. Front bumper music, The Devil's Garden. Roast'em, provided by kind permission of Rita Youngman. Back bumper music, second Seminole win, by Jed Merum and Ricky Pittman, courtesy of Ricky Pittman. All rights reserved.